comes. Thank you, Wiley. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Kids, I'll dismiss you in just a second. First, you're going to hear this young man read, because if you're in King's Kids someday, you're going to be up here. This is your job, too, okay? Don't look nervous. Don't look scared. I need to hit some of you teens haven't read yet, either. Just realize that. <laughs> All right, I'm letting them get to Proverbs 6. Mm-hmm. We're reading today uh, verses 1 through 5. Go ahead. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, if you have shaken hands and pledged for a stranger, you have been trapped by what you have said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, to free yourself, since you have fallen to your neighbor's hands. Go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Amen. All right, King's kids, if you're in second grade on down, you are dis... She loves it. We already kidnapped some. All right, there he goes. So Proverbs 6. Whew, now I got to get there. If you have your bulletin, we're going to fill in some blanks today. The title is Co-Signing is foolish. Co-signing. In chapter 6, it's called security for your neighbor. In verse 1, it's also called giving a pledge for a stranger. And immediately Solomon says, you're snared. You've been caught. Caught in what? Snared in what? The ways of the world. And a mindset that says, you deserve it. Go get it. Make payments. You can't afford it? now. that's okay. It's the voice of the world that says zero down, zero percent for 50 months. Ooh. What is he talking about? Co-signing. And it's on two different levels. It's co-signing for somebody who's close to you. That's the word neighbor, security for your neighbor. It's somebody close to you. <clears throat> but then also for a stranger. And I just classified that as anyone who comes to you saying that they are needy. Someone close to you, someone needy. Now, I understand your neighbor can be needy as well. But it, it's this idea of somebody who's <clears throat> kind of in panic mode. So go to the next slide. So it's both for someone close and someone needy. And defined, what is co-signing? Your next blank, little definition there. When you co-sign, you are promising to make someone else's debt payments. You're signing a note that says, if they don't make the payment, I will. Now, when would this ever happen? Um, So my example is, 
a young person who wants a new car. They find a car that's for sale, but they don't have enough money to buy it. So option number one, if you don't have enough money to buy something, option number one is borrow the money from a stranger. Now, that's kind of, that's culturally appropriate, but I'm just telling, if you step back and you just, I typed those words out and I looked at it for a second, be like, that's weird. I'm gonna go ask other people for money. Borrow money from a stranger. This can be a bank, it can be a car dealer, it can be a credit union. So that's option number one. Usually that's the first option most people today go to. Option number two, talk somebody else <clears throat> into borrowing the money. That's, that's basically what co-signing is. If it's a young person, they might go after their parents or their grandparents, maybe an older brother, older sister. Hey, can you help me? <clears throat> I think I can make these payments. I'm pretty sure I can make these payments, but they won't lend me money, so I need somebody else to go in with me. That's option number two. Option number three is work, save, pay full, and cash. And that happens. Now, let me just say right off the bat, and I'll, I'll try to reiterate this later on. If you can just afford to help them and buy the car, it's not what this is about. You know them. If it's your kid or it's your relative, you know them better than, than I do. I'm not, this isn't don't help people. This is don't co-sign. This is, if you want to help, go ahead. <clears throat> and if you can't, say so. If you don't think it's a good idea, say so. Don't let them try things out and fail. If you can give them the money or give them the help, go ahead. But the emphasis in this little paragraph of scripture is don't loan money, don't co-sign and avoid partnerships. Those are different phrases for the same thing. Going in financially to help somebody else under contract, and that's the catch. It's under contract, it's under an obligation. Even if it's an unspoken obligation, even if it's not like a legal piece of paper, when you make an agreement with somebody, hey, can I, yeah, I'll pay you back. As soon as they give you that, I'll pay you back, you're in the loop. You're in Proverbs 6. Putting up security, giving your pledge, snared in your words, caught in the words of your mouth. What does Solomon say to do? If you find yourself in that situation, verse three, my son, save yourself. You have come into the hand of your neighbor. You're now under the power of somebody else. Go, hasten, plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep, give your eyelids no slumber and save yourself like a gazelle. Solomon's advice is get out of it as quickly as possible. I would rephrase that to say it like this. It may cost you a lot now to end whatever mess you're in, but it will cost you more later if that deal goes sideways. It may cost you more to get out of it now. Do it. Solomon says, do it 
without giving sleep to your eyes. Hasten, hurry, go, fix this, get out of that. You don't want to be under the obligation financially to be on the hook with somebody else. Whether it's a close neighbor, friend, or family member, or a stranger, that's not the best way to help people. By entangling yourself in their financial commitments. So the better prescription, if, if getting out is his advice, like the best advice is don't even go there in the first place, right? But he doesn't say that because he knows us. <laughs> He's giving us the prescription for when we do get ourselves into trouble. Don't do it. And <laughs> go to the next slide. I found this little model, this little scale model. Like Solomon has this elaborate throne in this gigantic throne room. Just a room that would hold thousands of people. Remember, people come to him for wisdom. He's sitting on that throne several hours a day. There's a story in the Bible, two ladies come with one baby and they have to, Solomon has to, figure out with his God-given wisdom who the baby belongs to. Like people are coming to him regularly. So just imagine, picture in your mind, Solomon sitting on this throne. Do you think people are coming to him with all of their problems? Yes, for sure they're coming to him with their financial problems. He says a thing or two in Proverbs because he's seen a thousand different scenarios play out in his kingdom and he doesn't always delegate those decisions to everybody he's the man he has the answers so i really think this paragraph in chapter six which is kind of jarring we just did a whole chapter on sexual sins right and then he pulls back and like oh yeah let me also tell you about co-signing that's, that's a bad idea too like wait what what What's the deal here? How can you go? And in chapter six, he's gonna go back to the adulterous woman and warn his son about that again. So you have this little, this little speed bump in the middle of his sexual talk. I'll guard your sexuality, guard your sexuality, and don't co-sign and guard your sexuality. You're like, well, it's because it's a heart issue. I don't have what I want I'm going to grasp and grab after it by any means necessary. Somebody else doesn't have what they want. They're grasping and chasing after what they can't afford right now. Don't get entangled with them. Not because, it, it, it's not saying don't help. It's saying don't make surety, don't make a pledge. And in our language today, don't get into a financial commitment, contract, obligation where you're tied up with them now like getting tied up in adultery. It's gonna burn you. It's bad news. That's the parallel I see why he's bringing it in right here this way. So we, we kind of covered the basic options. Let me, let me expand upon those options. So option number one, borrowing money from a stranger. We call that personal debt nowadays. Personal debt. It's the way banks and lenders make money off of your overpayments. Overpayments. The scenario is somebody wants a $25,000 car, average loan right now, average rate of interest is 7%. The average duration is 48 months. 
and 48 months, a $25,000 note, you pay them $29,000. Kids, are you listening? You wanted a car worth 25, and by making payments on it with interest, you end up paying $29,000 for the car. And let me tell you something that's not in the fine print. After four years of payments, that $25,000 car is probably worth $15,000. You paid $29,000 so that you could drive a $15,000 car after four years. It's really bad math for us. This is why when you go to any big city, who has the biggest, tallest buildings in the skyline? The banks, the credit card companies, the financial institutions, because they are preying upon your ability to not be content and to not wait and to not live at the speed of cash. Co-signing, you lose money. It's not a good deal. We call that personal debt. Um, by the way, you don't even own the car until you pay it all the way off. Look at my new car. That's my favorite question. What are your payments? Uh, 700 bucks a month. Not your car. Not your car till you finish making all the payments. You crash that car on day one. Oh, my old church. So sad. What was that? Was it Lori? Remember Lori? She got a brand new Volkswagen Beetle when they first came out. She had it for a week. Bought it on a loan. She totaled it the first week. And she had to spend the next four years paying for that car that she didn't even have. Your payments don't go away. You totaled somebody else's car. So sad. Life happens. Personal debt. Option number two, just write it down, co-signing debt. Somebody goes to the bank wants to buy a car or they go to the credit office of the car dealer, especially if it's a young person, and the bank or the, the op, they won't lend them money. There we go. If the bank, who are professionals, the bank wants to lend them money, the creditors want to lend them money, if the professional organization will not lend some money, somebody money, and then they come and ask you to co-sign, Why? Why should you? If they won't lend and they know what they're doing, you don't know what you're doing. They have a lot more experience. They understand human nature. They understand finances. They understand work. They understand risk better than we do. That's why they are the billionaires and we are not. If somebody else won't loan somebody money, you shouldn't. That's a huge red flag. They know something you don't. Yeah. Option number three, live within your means. Work, save, pay full, pay fully in cash. Live within your means. And I would propose, if you want to follow Jesus real close, live well beneath your means. If you can't afford to buy something in one transaction, you probably shouldn't have it. That's God's way of saying no. Now there's one big exception to this and it's gonna be buying your first home. 
When you buy a home, there are, and there are, some tight rules that I would love to go, with, go through you with later on. That's not this lesson. There are some good principles buying your first home, but we're not going to destroy you, uh, look down on you if you go into debt to buy a house. It's something that's actually going to appreciate with value versus your car. Especially the way some of you drive. Hey. Uh, so this idea of living, living within your means, and here's what happens. You live within your means long enough, you have money. You live within your means long enough, you have an emergency fund. You have money in your bank account and people see that you're comfortable and this is when all the select members of your family start asking for money when they know you've got it. Living within your means means you also need to learn the one word sentence, no. No is a complete sentence. Say it with me. No. One more time. Move your lips. No. All right. So you can do it. I know you can do it. But it's hard. Don't let people guilt you into co-signing. Don't let people guilt you into getting entangled in their financial decisions. Usually bad decisions. And if we back it up, before we even got to option number one, remember the scenario? There was a person who wanted a car and the real problem was they didn't have enough money. So what did they do? They grasped, finagled, schemed, manipulated, tried to get, tried to get what they want through somebody else, through another way. So the real problem is not even option number one or two. The real problem is a really strong biblical word. Write this down. Covetousness. That's the real problem. When we are not content with what we have or we magnify our need and overlay it with wants. Is it true that you probably need a vehicle to get to work or school regularly? Yes. The distances we travel, the things that we do, it's probably a need that you need a vehicle. Does the air conditioner need to work on it? <laughs> Some of you are like, oh my. Do the brakes need to work on it? Okay, gotcha. Tail lights need to work on it. I mean, let, me, let me throw you some softballs here. Do all the windows need to roll down? Oh. Have I got a car for you? <laughs> Does the suspension need to be plush and smooth? Does it need to have a fantastic... You, you get the point, right? There's a huge discrepancy between a need and then our wants. And, and I think this is, this is where we put our finger on what Solomon is trying to teach his son. Son, there are a lot of people in this world, they're gonna say they need a lot of things. Don't get signed up with them. Don't, don't do it. Run. 
And if you find yourself sitting there thinking, oh snap, I am on the hook for so-and-so's boat, so-and-so's car, so-and-so's student loan. Do whatever you can to get out of it. Look at verse five. Save yourself. <laughs> and I write this down. You don't need to pray about it. I'm going to pray about getting out of that. You don't need to. The Bible says, flee, run, deliver yourself. What hunts gazelles? Not necessarily lions as much as cheetahs. And a cheetah is the fastest land animal. Can out-accelerate every vehicle humans have ever created. Zero to 60 in three seconds or less. A cheetah, fastest. They only catch the gazelle 50% of the time. Hmm. That's amazing. Deliver yourself. Here's, here's how the, here's the, the gazelle does. That's like, that's, that's when you see that person walk in the door that needs money, boom, 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 boom. I'll never see me. Whoop, whoop. Hey, whoop, whoop. squirrel. Whoop. Do whatever it takes to avoid co-signing, to avoid getting entangled in somebody else's financial personal note. I have watched loans in my own family destroy Thanksgiving dinner. I have seen loans in my own family destroy relationships. People stopped talking. People stopped showing up. People stopped hanging out. People stopped being friends. You can't stop being family, you're stuck with them. But you can avoid each other and hold a grudge. I have seen this firsthand, and I'm here to tell you, you don't want any part of it no matter how, how, how good of a job they have, no matter how much their income, how bright they are, how promising their future is, don't get entangled in other people's financial decisions. It'll hurt you, and you don't need to pray about it. Verses four and five, give your eyes no sleep, your eyelids no slumber. Do you, you sense the urgency there? Take care, if, you're, if you find yourself in a problem, get after it. Make some sacrifices, sell things, eat less and use the money to get out of debt. Live cheaply, live beneath your means, cut the non-essentials. Do you need an all-inclusive sell plan? Do you need Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and, and, and cut some stuff? You have a gas guzzler, sell the gas guzzler, downsize, simplify. You don't need to pray about this stuff. You need to do it. You need to free yourself from financial obligations and help other people do that too by living your life the right way. Look at verse three. I like this one too. It says, assuming you've done this, my son, save yourself. There it is again. For you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Christians, Jesus is the only one who owns you. Should never be somebody else lording it over you. Not your neighbor. You promised you would pay that. I'm holding you to it. Christian, they should hold you to it. 
don't get out of it. You should do it. But how should you approach that situation? The Bible says plead, plead urgently, beg your neighbor to let you out of the co-signing. Get out of it. Will that cost you something? Probably, but you need to sense the urgency that Solomon is pressing here. I think he has seen this ruin a lot of relationships, a lot of businesses, and a lot of families. Plead, get out of it. Clean up your own life and stop expecting everyone else to bail you out. And don't you dare expect the government to bail you out. They have a long history of making things more complicated. There are always strings attached. Hey, if the government's offering you some help and you qualify for it and you get it, take it. That's kind of what the tax system's supposed to do, help people in need. But we can't expect them to forgive everything, allow us to declare bankruptcy on everything. There are things you cannot declare bankruptcy on. You'll pay for them the rest of your life. They're not going to bail you out completely. And other people helping you is not going to fix relationships that get damaged along the way and hard feelings. So this, is, this gets really personal. This is not just a money talk. This is a heart talk. I did not have room to put this in the notes. I don't even think I made a slide for it. I underlined it here because I wanted it to be in the slide, but I didn't have room for it. Listen to this. A simple life helps more people. A simple life means you are available to help more people. When you aren't tied down, you have all these strings attached to you, other people, other payments, all these other obligations. When you are free, when your life is simple, uncluttered, now you are free to actually help people. And you don't help people by co-signing, you help people by paying for things. If people really need help, help them. And that should be the goal for all Christians. We, we need a simple life. If you helped somebody last week, you're probably living pretty simply. People who live in chaos don't tend to help others. They tend to be the black hole that sucks in everybody else. They're always the constant need. Now, it's okay to be in need. Like, there's stuff that hits your life, health issues, business issues, family issues. There are a lot of good reasons why you could be a needy person. Like, I'm not dogging that. It happens to everybody. It happens to every family at one point or another. That's not a sin and it's not a problem. But... Christians are supposed to be the light of the world in the middle of all that darkness. Even if your life is imploding, you're more than a conqueror through Christ. He strengthens you. He gives you hope beyond your circumstances. See the difference there? You could, your circumstances could never change, but that doesn't mean you can't change. That your hope is in something bigger. And this is the beautiful thing about Jesus when we really fix our attention on him, all the other chaos in our life starts to fall into order and you don't have to fix everything. 
when you give Him your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything that is within you, you spill your guts out for Jesus Christ. It's one of the miracles of following Jesus. He starts to organize everything in His time and His way. And He can fix in five seconds what you've been struggling with for five years. He can change somebody's heart. They can forgive you a debt overnight that you didn't even remember you had. Was sent to collections. I'm telling you, don't underestimate. You don't have to fix everything, but if you can, save yourself. See how Solomon doesn't put all this on God? He doesn't, you know, go pray about that. Ask God to deliver you. Go to the temple. Go to the priest. Make sure they do it. Make sure your community fixes this. No, you save yourself. Put some flesh in the game. Work, save, make some sacrifices, and save, deliver yourself. Put some oomph in there. And it is exciting when you see other people running away from cheetahs, when you see other people doing all that they can, selling stuff, getting rid of stuff, downsizing stuff. You want to help those kind of people, don't you? I do. When I see people who are really sacrificing to get out of debt and to get out of all their obligations so they can be free to serve Jesus, those are the people I want to help. Yes, because they're running for their lives as if their testimony depends on it. Church, your testimony is in the balance. You're going to live like the world. You're going to live free. I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey and financial peace, but the goal is not peace. The goal is not, I have everything I want, I can settle back, I can relax, I can retire, I have everything I need, I'm at peace. That is not the goal. It's not even the goal when you go through financial peace. That is not baby step number seven. Anybody help me out here? What's baby step number seven in Dave Ramsey's financial baby steps? give it's generosity it's be ridiculously generous helping people in ways that matter and in ways that you're not entangled with their life you hand it over they have the responsibility to now help themselves spend it wisely use it correctly you're free from that like help let the right hand know what the left hand is doing hey who'd you help today i don't know what, do you help? what are they doing with it? I don't know. It's out of my hands. They're grown-ups. I gave them the money to get out of debt. Now, what they do with it, that's on them. But I'm not going to co-sign on their debt in case they make a mistake. The Bible says don't do that. If you're going to help, help. But don't do it by co-signing and getting entangled in their financial decisions. Are we clear here? And the goal is generosity. Acts 20:25. 20, Quoting Jesus, it is better to give than receive. It's better, it's better to be the generous one than the one who's always receiving. Why is that? Um, I think it's because it speaks of a heart that wants to be more like God. God is a giver. We, we almost never more like God, like our Heavenly Father, than we are giving and then when we are generous. This is not a lesson about don't help people. Far from it. Help people 
carefully and wisely. We need to be all become givers. We're always going to have people in need. That's okay. I understand that. I don't expect everybody to be on the same page at the same time. That's okay. People are going to steal your stinking battery out of your car sometimes. <laughs> it happens. Ask Jennifer. Bad stuff is going to happen. Sometimes you're going to get hit out of nowhere with a health issue. And those bills are going to tank you. And everything you save for is gone. That's what the money's for. Spend it where it goes. And trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop leaning on your financial understanding. In all of your financial ways, follow him. Lead him. He will direct your path. We're storing up treasures where? Oh, why didn't you say stride bank? I mean, we know all the right answers, but then do we live it out? Do we live in ways that are pouring out with generosity? Um, so how can we help? Next blank, help in ways that don't become legal obligations. So beware of getting tangled and choked in the things of the world. And I don't think you are in sin if you have cosine. I don't think you're in sin if you have a student loan. I don't think you're in sin if you have any kind of loan. The Bible does not come right out and say that debt is a sin. Got that? What does the Bible say about cosigning and debt? It says it's very, very foolish and dangerous. So if the Bible calls something dangerous, <laughs> be warned. Be warned. And be on guard. The world is out to get you. They want everything you have. Yep, that's what it's after. Your heart, your money, your attention. <clears throat> take just a second close your eyes right where you're seated put your stuff away just fold your hands together for just a minute with your eyes closed try not to fidget just think clearly for just a second do you need to get out of some bad decisions you've made in the past are there some bad decisions you've made that you can make right? Get on it. Stop living foolishly and you might stop feeling so desperate. You can start delivering yourself today. There may be consequences for your bad decisions. Jesus can help you through that. But if you can make things right, save yourself. Determine to do something different. Or maybe, maybe you can't think of any bad decisions you're stuck in right now. Praise the Lord. Maybe you need to be more generous with what God has already given you. Have you purposefully sought out anyone to bless We have a lot of needy people here in this room 
and our church and our neighborhoods and our workplaces. If you really honestly can't think of anything that is holding you back from being generous, then look at your heart. You may have never co-signed on anything and preached against it your whole life. But if you're not generous, you've missed the point. God has not given you everything you have so you can spend it on yourself. He's teaching me that. Be wise. Be careful. Be generous. But don't get entangled in the ways of this world. It will trap you and hurt you. If you ever come across something you don't understand, ask for help. If you think you can't make any headway on what you're stuck in, ask for help. We have a lot of people here that have fought through some amazing amazingly terrible decisions they've made in the past. We have people here who have learned from terrible decisions and they can help you make things right. It's going to take time, patience, energy, but get on it. Save yourself today. Heavenly Father, we bring our hearts and our minds to you right now and we say, Protect us from the thoughts of the world. Protect us from the covetousness of our own hearts. Protect us from the schemes of the evil one as he tries to entrap us and ensnare us and things that will distract us from doing your will and furthering your invisible kingdom. Oh, how we look forward to a day when the cares of this world melt away. Show us what we need to do today, this week. For those who have a lot of problems, Lord, lead them to make a list and put on their fridge and start attacking it. Lead them to pray for it more regularly. Lead them to make sacrifices to get out of their obligations. And for those who are cruising along and content with their lives, show them how. Show them who they can help next. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with us. Melanie and Anthony, why don't you come forward here? I'm going to ask Anthony to do our benediction today. I met with him a few times in the last couple weeks. Um, Now, after you read, come back down to the floor and stand with her. She's going to wait down there for you. He's going to read the benediction from the pulpit, and then they're both going to stay down here. We're going to sing just a chorus. But as we leave today, greet them. Welcome them into membership. They agree with our affirmation of faith. They have a strong testimony of salvation. They've both been scripturally baptized, and they're making this their home. I wholeheartedly recommend them to you. All those in favor of accepting Anthony and Melanie, say amen. Amen. Now shake their hand in a second. Read us out of here, brother.
Benediction comes from the end of Ephesians, Ephesians 6. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Amen. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be set free. Whoa, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me you're dismissed have a great day way to look pretty good job <laughs>